Great Britain with a 10 second time penalty. Oh, Equipment no. outside the box. That's uh, inexperience from uh, Sam Dickinson. That is not what George Taylor Brown needed, is it? I didn't make it easy for G. I'm out to buy a pair of sunglasses for Christmas or something. I was using some very strong curse words for little Samuel over here on that, uh, on that race there. But no, I'm glad we got there in the end. That penalty was absolutely not my fault. And I got shredded on 20 minutes in my leg for being inexperienced. Today on the World Triathlon Podcast, we have some very honest takes from Great Britain's Sam Dickinson on the truth behind that Montreal mixed relay penalty, bouncing back from repeated injuries, being a domestique and then standby for the GB team's Tokyo 2020 Olympic hopefuls, and what it's like flying through a transition at 60 kilometers an hour, wheel to wheel. Don't forget that this weekend, Sunday the 24th of July, the World Cup circuit moves on to Pontevedra, Spain where Antonia Serrat and Annabel Knoll wear the coveted number ones on the very course that will host the 2023 Championship Series Finals. And you can watch it all unfold over on triathlonlive.tv. But right now, over to Sam. Great Britain, Sam Dickinson took European Junior Triathlon by storm in 2015 and 16 before showing his potential to mix it at triathlon's top table with under-23 World Championship Silver and the Gold Coast in 2018. First WTCS in Leeds in 2021 was something of a breakthrough race, but it's been in the Team GB mixed relay that he's shone most recently. First in Montreal, helping confirm two men and two women qualify for Paris 2024, then in Hamburg with a remarkable gold. So, Sam, welcome to the World Triathlon Podcast. Hi, Doug. Thanks for having me. Hamburg's still pretty fresh in the memory, no doubt. In terms of special races, it's got to be quite close with, with a home race of Leeds, has it? Like the atmosphere there and any kind of extra nerves as part of the build-up to what, you know, is a fairly iconic race on the circuit. I think you mentioned it there. Hamburg is iconic. Um, obviously, being a fan of triathlon, and watching it almost religiously for the last 10 years it was pretty surreal to actually be in the in the middle of it because you see it on telly and you did and then you get there and see it in real life and you you think oh that's what that looks like um and so it's, it is quite amazing being there but it's a it's a it's a city center circuit which has its pros and cons but one of the big pros is the crowd honestly the hamburg crowd being able to watch the swim uh, as well right on the right on the right on the edge there and um and yeah almost the whole way around the crowd is 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 cheering you on so Hamburg's a, a really special place and I'm really happy that I got to experience it this year it was amazing I mean you're almost sort of fighting through the crowds to get to the start line aren't you it's kind of it, it's so packed in there um yeah you are you are and, and they love their triathlon over there as well uh, there's an age group race too which is always fantastic to see um loads of people getting involved and and yeah, they, they, they will cheer anyone too, you know, they cheer extra hard for the Germans, but anyone, anyone running around, they'll, 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 they'll give you a cheer. So yeah, really impressed with Hamburg this weekend. So for you personally, I guess, as I mentioned in the intro, you know, the, the, your first WTCS was Leeds, obviously a massive moment on many levels, no doubt for you, but, um, you know, and also kind of coming out of, out of the, the COVID situation a bit, I guess. So Having made a splash in, in Gold Coast 2018 and then obviously Carla Vivari, brilliant win in 2019. How how did for you like that that kind of COVID pause affect you kicking on? I heard so many different stories of how, you know, it's helped some people, it's hindered some people in their progress. For you personally, 
on reflection, did it come at a terrible time or kind of a useful one? I think it's a tough one. The, the time is almost indifferent, but it did come at a good time. I think you mentioned it in the term reflection. That's what COVID really did. It showed uh, me that, you know, nothing is unchangeable. Um, no one would have looked at the world in 2019 and thought, we'll have no one on the streets, we'll have no planes in the air, we'll, we'll all be in our, in our houses uh, locking down. Um, but that did happen. And I think what it did was it gave you time to reflect, me in particular, on, on my programme. And just a, a brief background of me, for those who don't know, I was um, obviously a talented junior, but came into triathlon late um, and I really struggled with injuries. So every year I've had a major injury, whether that be a stress response or a tear or something along those lines. And I think COVID actually helped me realize that, you know, I can't keep doing this. I'll have one or two good results a year when I'm able to string some, some training together, for example, 2016 Europeans, 2018 uh, worlds as an under 23, 2019 first world cup win. Um, But other, those those were all coming off half years, so I could just about string six weeks of training together and then and then go and do a decent race. But COVID really stopped you in your tracks and and made you think about you're not going to have a career in this sport if you can't stay consistent. And that's really what it did for me was I changed my program around. I dropped my running intensity and volume and global hours to make sure that 52 weeks of the year I'm able to able to at least perform and hopefully it would be well enough but yeah so it did come at a good time to answer your question and hopefully um for anyone listening to this podcast it'll give them a little bit of a help as to how to improve their training so what was it who who are you training with and was it are you are you based up in Leeds or are you a Loughborough or neither (laughs) Yes, I'm in Leeds, basically yeah. Strathlon Centre. And of course, I've been in here eight years now and yeah. come in here as a junior. Um, obviously, you just get sucked into the classic sort of Alan John programme, which has been very, very effective for those guys. But it's pretty much trade as much as you can, as hard as you can. Um, but say, not really as hard as you can, but it's a lot of training and it's a lot of intensity and it requires you to recover off that intensity very quickly to do more. And that doesn't work for everyone. And I found out it didn't work for me, but I kept trying it because that's what made those two really good. Um, so actually COVID really helped me change that program slightly and find something that works a bit better for me. And it's, you know, I'm becoming a bit more consistent. And, uh, and I think hopefully if you just be patient, the results don't come straight away. They come in a year or two years time and we might see some dividends coming soon. So was it uh, that the was the flexibility there if you wanted to go down your own path and it was just more you basically want to wanting to emulate their success and therefore their training program or was that kind of the culture in the training group in Leeds of yeah just like hoping that the recovery was sufficient and then perhaps kind of figuring out that it wasn't and you always got decisions as, as the athlete you're in charge of your program Mm. Um, because uh, at the end of the day, the buck stops with you. Um, you do have to work very closely with the coach as well. And that's, uh, that's a big part of that coach athlete relationship. But, um, but certainly for me as a young 
naive athlete coming into the sport, um, it did take a while to work out what works for me. And it was a bit of a bit against the grain here in Leeds. However, uh, I'm actually so far, I'll touch wood, <laughs> I've been very consistent and the results are coming to show for it. So out, out of that reflective COVID period, you came back, switched it. I mean, obviously you were still able to train somewhat through that or at least kind of return um, presumably as, as, as an elite athlete, you know, you weren't kind of out of it for quite as long, but you are now applying a somewhat different path and yeah, like that you have been injury free since then, have you? Yeah. Yeah, I have actually. It's been, um, it's been all right. Well, I say, I say, yes, I picked up a, ephemeral stress response off the back end of Tokyo last year but I think that was more due to travel and turbos and the, the whole the whole way that I was the the reserve mm. athlete for Great Britain out in out at Tokyo Olympics and it was a lot of hotel rooms a lot of turbos and not really the best training environment so I did mm. um I'd pick, pick up an injury off the back of that however since then being able to apply your own trade the way you want to do it in the place you want to do it um we found we found a formula that really that really works so yeah i think uh i think yeah just finding out what works for you is just, just the number one message that i'll that i'll, that I'll keep repeating yeah were, were those injuries kind of unrelated like they were you were finding them in in different kind of parts or was it a, one that was returning or yes <laughs> um they're all different Right. which was a a massive a massive negative but also a massive positive but you know I'm not just struggling with this one thing that I'll probably never never get over it's my mm. career I'm, I don't think I had the same injury twice it was somewhere if it was foot knee hip um ankle wherever uh it was always something different which did fill me with a bit of confidence the fact that I will get it right eventually it's just when when am I going to get it right so uh yeah fascinating the fact that you don't know when an injury will strike but what you do know and what you can have control over is what you have been able to do in the past and you can learn from the mistakes you've made in the past and apply it to hopefully a productive future mm. and maybe your overall recovery time <clears throat> if you're going to have injury period get it out of the way earlier hope it doesn't hamper your progress too much and then yeah those sort of recovery times i guess could be a little bit shorter maybe uh, you've been you know uh noted recognized for your kind of red line racing quite a lot from <laughs> whether it was gold coast or, or carla vivari you know both both races i was lucky enough to witness firsthand and um yeah is that again like another sort of product of of that training environment is that just the way that you race inherently like you know that intensity that pushing yourself to the limit um yeah we've seen we've seen you kind of on the on the cusp or at least it looked it outwardly looked like that on a couple of occasions yeah i didn't hide it very well do i um <laughs> i need to work on that however that's just a product i think that's a product of your training so say in the in the um in the quest to stay injury free you've got to train in in a sensible way too so unfortunately i can't get on track and absolutely batter five by a mile at four thirties because my body can't keep up with that. So I only run hard on road when I race. Um, and the rest of the time I do 
I'd have to kind of find other ways around training. So I did a lot of tempo on grass because that's obviously I was a cross country runner as a kid. And that's where I find I can stay healthy doing a lot of that stuff. So most of my training is done on that with a sprinkle of, of a little bit of track to get that speed work in. But the rep length are only two, 300 meters um, to save my legs from running too much under fatigue and, and, and injuring me. So the way I race actually reflects that in the fact that, you know, I probably won't, um, I won't just wait till a burn up at the end because I don't do much of that. And, um, and I find I've got a, I've got a good, I've got a good three minutes, um, or four minutes to, um, to hopefully win, win a race that way. Um, although it does outwardly show that I'm trying really hard, <laughs> unfortunately. However, yeah, you've just got to work out as an athlete for yourself, you know, are you a kicker? If you're a kicker, brilliant. Just sit in, wait for the kick. If you're not, then find another way to win the race. Work out what, what, what works for you really. And when you just kind of look back on, on that Gold Coast race and, you know, you, Taylor Reed and Leo on the breakaway and um, Hayden Wilde, obviously there as well. And, and so on, how, yeah, do you kind of inevitably find yourself kind of comparing the different trajectories of the people that you've come through the sport with a little bit? Um, I guess it was Cozumel as well, right? You were racing with Alex and Ben Dykstra and Alex you and Ben Dykstra. So is it inevitable that you sort of end up kind of comparing a little bit where people are and so on as well? Yeah, you obviously can't, you obviously can't help it sometimes. Um, but certainly our, our British junior team that year in 2016 was, was really good. So I think Ben medalled, uh, Alex was fifth and I was eighth. So we got three of our lads in the top eight at world juniors, which was obviously showed that that was a pretty special year that we all had the talent to then go forward and make it in the sport. Now from their trajectories have obviously differed with, Myself and Ben struggling with injuries. I'm not sure if you've spoken to, 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 to Ben yet, but he would be a great brain to pick with regards to doing what's right for you. Hmm. Obviously, Alex has then been um, has been fantastic recently in his in his breakthrough at, at, at World Series level. Um, likewise, in Gold Coast in 2018, running at the front of the race there with with Taylor and, and Leo. However, since then, I keep going back to the old injury um the deal but if you look at how many world series those two have done compared to me this was my fourth world series race and unfortunately i had domestic leads which is why i went off the front unfortunately for the fans i i uh, <laughs> i wasn't just doing it to get camera time it was a job um and then i came back from that femoral stress uh after the olympics and managed to get abu dhabi done second world series race and then off to montreal for my third world series race and Hamburg was my fourth here. So I'm gaining so much experience. However, you look at Taylor and Leo and they've done three times, maybe four times the amount of world series races. So in terms of experience, that's where I've been hampered with obviously not being able to race uh, due to injury, but you do compare yourself. And for me, it gives me confidence seeing those guys and seeing, you know, through the junior ranks, you were there through the 23 ranks, you were there. Therefore, if you can just get it right and just tow the start lines as a senior, that with any luck, you might be able to um, you might be able to sit at the big table with the with the best in the sport. But again, it all comes to it all comes back to being healthy. And so, but yeah, absolutely, I I compare myself, but also take confidence in comparing myself too. Yeah, yeah. 
absolutely and when you've helped qualify four names on the Paris 2024 start line already then your place at the top table your name place is certainly there surely I mean that that as a moment must have been pretty incredible um you know was that in fact your first or second time with the mixed relay like you've done the junior under 23 mixed relay before but not the elite or yeah no that's I've done Junior Europeans, under 23 uh, Europeans. I've done senior Europeans. Um, and in fact, Montreal was the first relay I've actually lost, uh, which, was, <laughs> which was which was a big shame, actually. I was kind of gutted, but... Um, the result of yeah, the... I didn't have the best day, it's fair to say. I mean, I was going into it. I had five days off before Montreal because getting over a virus. Right. And um, I was in a bad way. However, the team needed me. Um, we didn't have any, Johnny broke his elbow. Um, we didn't have many people to step up who could do that job. So, you know, I kind of drew the short straw and said, yeah, I'll go. And, um, luckily, thankfully I'm racing on a team with three absolute studs and they were able to carry me, uh, across the line to qualify that spot. Thanks to, thanks to G. However, while we're on podcast as well, that penalty was absolutely <laughs> not my fault. And I got shredded on by uh, by Helen for about 20 minutes in my leg for being inexperienced and uh and actually the wind blew my helmet and glasses off before the race started one of the world triathlon officials put my helmet back on bike which was nice of him but he also left my sunglasses on the floor so I turned up to transition thinking everything's fine because my helmet was where I left it put it on did the whole race not even knowing that my sunnies were on the floor and then turns out I get stitched up with a penalty and uh and, and G absolutely is fuming at me for it. And uh, we <laughs> had a good debrief, you, though. Yeah, like you didn't think to bring that up in the actual post-race interview, though. That was, wait till you get back to the hotel. And then it's like, hang on a sec, Georgia. Like this, you know, got to take this back. We didn't know in the, the only reason we know was because I refused to believe I did out wrong. And, um, right. and I watched the race back that night at about nine o'clock when it came out on Triathlon Live. And I watched the race back and I watched the video of us running into transition and I paused it and I had a look at my transition. I was like, hang on, my sonny's on the floor there. That's uh that's not that's not our that's not how I set it up. And then I and then it all twigged that it must have, because it was quite windy, it must have blown off. And then I speak to the coaches and they're like, Oh yeah, someone put your helmet back on your bike for you. And I was like, Did you not think to mention that maybe um, could have might be a bit that different. The, yeah anyway, that was a massive learning curve for the whole team and we did we we, we debriefed it we're great in uh, as, as as a great britain as a nation we take debriefing very seriously and we take the relay very seriously so we've now queued that as something to do in the future to take a picture transition etc and make sure that doesn't happen again so um but no i'm glad that it's finally out there and i'm not <laughs> going to get stitched up again for being a for being that guy who got penalty, but uh, we, we we qualified the team, so brilliant. Yeah, and that uh, yeah, that must be a huge relief. I mean, you know, the, the the two and two you would kind of take for granted a bit anyway, but just to have them tick, ticked off and and chalked in there is yeah, two years out as well. Yeah, is, um, just a big weight off the shoulders for sure. Did you did you take it up with the an official? Like, did you mention that subsequently, or given that it didn't have a huge impact in the end on the result? That it didn't have an impact, but 
uh, one of our coaches is on the coaching committee. So we'll go through those channels and just clarify what the actual rule is as well as to how the officials, because it's obviously nice of them to put your helmet back on and they're only trying to help. However, if your helmet's on the floor, then you probably will look for your sunglasses as well. Yeah. Um, because you know something's wrong. The fact was the helmet was where I left it. So you assume that everything's as you as you as you left it however yeah yeah that's that's something that's that will be brought up by by one of the coaches in in the coaching committee and so but yeah i mean well and then all right let's let's go on to hamburg then because that you know back in the relay squad again and um another like new look lineup perhaps like yeah so qualifying that spot actually took the pressure off every other relay because we've qualified a relay team so it actually means that we can experiment we can put in we can put in a few youngsters into into the future relays and, and i think that's what we did in hamburg we put our i say say b team I, it's, it's tough to see but i think everyone in hamburg played an absolute stormer of a role and it goes to show the mixed team relay you don't have to have any exceptional individuals so sean was our best place finisher the day before in eight i think i'm sorry so, sorry sean um i think she was eight i'll get shredded if she was any higher but yeah so she was eight but waffy waffy was 12 i think and and barkley 13th um and i my legs were still on the plane so i didn't have a good one but when the team gets involved that goes to show that you don't have to have any standouts and if everyone does their job doesn't get any penalties unlike the germans unfortunately then you know with a young inexperienced relatively inexperienced team you can pull off a world triathlon relay win at, at, at the top level yeah yeah and then if called upon in paris la whatever then yeah you yeah for, for kate to have taken that home across to take the tape huge right the amount of confidence you can take from that because it is a uniquely nerve-wracking experience isn't it like the the weight the build-up like i've asked alex and several people on here before about you know his leg in tokyo and that final transition and just being kind of clenched for hoping that it went well and it actually went unbelievably well but with that kind of on the line there's so much that can go wrong yeah absolutely and it's a great experience for everyone even just to be at the front of those races, Kate was saying afterwards how nervous she was when I uh, handed over to her in second. I think she wished that I'd maybe had a shocker and took the pressure off her a little bit. But um, but being in that experience, being in that zone and going through that experience will only help you for future. It really will. And everyone's dealt with it now. And um, I think it goes to show in a relay, the, the chemistry of the team. So both Kate and Sean and myself were on that junior European team in 2016 um, when we won gold there. So we've been racing together, training together. They're both in Leeds for, for almost, almost 10 years now. And you can't underestimate how much chemistry has a role in the relay. And obviously I said I had a shocker on the Saturday, but managed to step up for the team on Sunday. And, um, and I think that's a big part of the team element of a relay that it's not just four individuals coming together it's it's one team wanting to work as hard as they can for each other and in great britain i think we do that better than most as you can see by that young team delivering in hamburg yeah 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and obviously the Commonwealth Games coming up and another opportunity for, well, with the home nations particularly, I guess, kind of split another opportunity to, to shine and to, well, go head to head with Sean this time or, or Beth or whatever. Um, can you just run us through like how, you know, how your Com Games selection kind of came about? Was it a bit out of the blue? And and talk us through the the England, not the GB, obviously, but the England team um, that's going to be hitting those start lines in a couple of weeks' time. Yeah. So the first thing with Commonwealth Games, you get your head around that is England, Scotland, Wales, uh, and Northern Ireland. But um, but yeah, I think so. We we obviously had a clear selection policy um, that was done last year. And obviously Alex and Johnny's results from the Olympics guaranteed them selection. So we only have one spot left, uh, but they were always going to keep one spot, which was a great part of the policy to, um, to this year, just to see who's, who's on form. And the meeting was going to be the week after Leeds World Series. So we all knew that if you wanted to get selected, you need to do something half decent leading up to, to that selection. And so I unfortunately didn't get selected for Leeds, which was a shame, even though I could have done. Uh, they sent me to, they being British Traffon, sent me to European Cups to go prove myself at European Cups. And obviously, I, 12, I, I did three, I had 12th in um, Katira. Uh, I actually had COVID during that race, which was not ideal. Um, and that was a big, um, yeah, that, that really impacted me afterwards. Yeah. Um, and then sixth in Carole. Which is another year, yeah. and then third in in, in Coimbra and instead of instead of going to Leeds, I went to Portugal and got third there. So obviously that trajectory meant that I was then the next name in the in in the line to get selected for Team England. So really happy with that, and uh, and yeah, first actual major games being the reserve in Tokyo was nice, but you always feel like a bit of a fraud not actually racing. So being able to tow the start line this time was. Um, well, this time, hopefully, is is quite an honour, to be honest. Yeah, so it wasn't, um, yeah, a case of paying your dues in Tokyo and being on the reserve list and then, all right, we'll get you in. You still you still had to earn the stripes like everybody else. And... <laughs> no, yeah, you've got to be. But the biggest thing I learned was that I'm, I'm healthy and there's a few lads who aren't healthy who would absolutely be in with a shout of race in this race. And um, and that, that's been my story for the last, eight years being in Leeds really uh, is the only thing that I learned going back to our conversation at the start of the podcast was the best ability is availability mm. because you're useless to everyone if you're on the sidelines so being healthy was a big part of my my selection actually and you've got the talent you just need to be in the position to deliver the talent so yeah yeah big 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 message again to about about consistency there'll be plenty of people listening you know, who, for whom the Commonwealth Games is not such a big deal, but um, for us, for Aussies, Kiwis, it's a, it's a, a huge occasion for, for the titles and also the kind of race, I was talking to Jamie Riddle here yesterday, the kind of race that actually throws up a few surprise results and, you know, it's a, it's a massive opportunity to make a name for yourself. Yeah, well, you know, it's with commies, it's not like a World Series race because you're obviously missing a big percentage of the best athletes. So the French, the Americans, the Belgians, especially in the lads racing, um, a lot of those guys and girls aren't mm. here. So what you find is that the top of the race is still the best in the world. You've got Alex Hayden and at the moment Hauser is on a mad one. 
and those three are looking like they'll be pushing the front of the race as, as, as well as a lot of other very talented athletes but you don't have the the depth and the spreads a lot larger to the bottom of the race mm. as well and that's what makes the commonwealth games very different to most other races that you'll find um is the fact that there just isn't the the strength in depth of the field which makes for much more exciting racing yeah no we're all definitely fired up for that one i don't know what you know of the course already like is it the sort of one you're going to be wanting to attack hard kind of a leeds-esque park situation uh i i feel i don't think it's going to be free we've been around the course a few times it's you're not going to get a roll around one hopes because if, if it's not false flat up then it's then it's steep down right i think is 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 what i can tell you and there's quite a few right angles um 90 degree corners one really fast sweeping one it'll be a dead turn i'm sure in transition like there always mm -hmm. is uh, the run course will be exciting though because that one is is uphill downhill then bang steep uphill then really steep down right and the last I'm, I'm hoping that the cameras will catch it but if you actually go there and look at it it's one really steep downhill about 800 meters out from from the line so yeah that'll be a really really exciting watch if it's if it's together with about a k to go yeah. it's gonna be who can send it down the hill the fastest <laughs> And, uh, and not fall over, <laughs> might, might, might take the tape. So, uh, yeah, really excited for it. Amazing. It was, wasn't it like up the hill in Carla Vivari, that last hill that you kind of were able to pull away? Is that, is that yeah. something that you... Yeah, well, yeah, being from Leeds, not, not immune. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm, I'm very accustomed to a, to a hill. So, yeah, I, I don't mind it. But, you know, if I'm, if I'm at the front of the race, then then um then yeah clearly had a very good day i'm just looking forward to the experience and and hopefully get 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 stuck in and set me up for um for paris and obviously la further further down the line in my development right, well so we'll look out for that downhill on the, on the on the finish there i mean it's the season's not been without its incident already obviously like you know there's been some unbelievable moments and in some unbelievable races i feel like you know, the, the likes of you and Jamie Riddle and Miguel Hidalgo and so on are, are definitely like bringing some some new spice and some new <sighs> aggression, I guess, to the to the bike pack um, that, I don't know, perhaps generations before w w were less or maybe there weren't quite so many kind of punching through at the same time. I, I, COVID might have had an impact on that as well, I suppose, but um, that that you feel you can kind of dive in and race your own races from, from the get go, whether or not having leads as your first WTCS sort of helped you and the particular role you were playing there as a domestique um, to ride sort of fiercely and without, without that kind of pressure. But are you, are you sensing that in those, in those packs as well, that there's, there's like an extra kind of get go and some new faces that are really kind of contributing and, and helping raise the level rather than just kind of making up the numbers. Absolutely. I think you mentioned uh, raising the level. They, the level of cycling is so is so high in triathlon now. I'm not sure it used to be this high. Um, I think the, the top's always been as good as the top, but it's now the depth. You know, everyone can ride their bike in the lads racing, and I think that's contributing to how a lot of these races are just coming together because you've got some, some absolute weapons like Hayden um, and the Norwegians bringing the race up from behind. And uh, you almost feel sorry for the guys at the front 
like the, the, the French, for example, who are generally good swimmers, fantastic cyclists as well, but so hard to move the front of the race forward when you've got that, that pack of 10 who can swim fast enough to get there, mm. who are also good enough to hold on. Um, obviously, making the, making the packs a little bit less uh, cooperative, whereas you see in the women's racing where you've got those front five or six who are also the best five or six cyclists as well moving their front of the race on hence the the big time gaps so but with the youngsters in the racing now um obviously very talented cyclists like jamie went off the front of of uh, of hamburg still ran well as well which credit to him um but yeah i think the standard of cycling i'm not sure you're gonna make that much time riding off the front unless you get given the time if you if you make sense you're going off the time like you're going off the front with the um with the hope that they sit up behind and give you time uh but the standard of cycling is so high and there's just a fresh a fresh wave mm. of, of cyclists in there now if you watch the tour de france um uh, i'm a big big cycling fan you see how cycling's changed from the old school sprinters trains everyone gets out of the way and lets the sprinters do the thing. Now there's so much what's called like small weaponry kicking around at the front of races now. Very similar in triathlon, same thing's happening and that's why it's becoming a bit more exciting to watch. Yeah, that unpredictability that, I don't know, there seem to be some comments of whether or not a lack of experience was making the bike a bit more dangerous or was making those sort of incidents that what, what happened with um, Hayden and Alex and... And Johnny, obviously, or uh, obviously, Vance and Louise was kind of had a few words to say about the the young Aussie in in Montreal and kind of the trip and whether or not that was well, it was obviously triggered by what happened to Yellow Heens the previous year when he was tripped and broke his hand, right? But at same yeah. token, is what happened to Vincent in Leeds when he miscounted because there are no easy rides out there now. It's kind of, you know, it is kind of scrambling the brain a bit, this kind of new order where you've got these new kids riding off the front that are making people like Vincent have to race completely differently in order to, to keep up as well. Yeah, possibly. I mean, yeah, he absolutely has a point. Um, but it's, it's not quite as a, as structured as it as it used to be and i think there's a lot of fresh faces on the world series now which does make it a little bit more sketchy i think once these guys are bedded in and have done a few more races and um and have learned what it's like to ride at that at that top level hopefully it'll get a little bit more safer uh without the without the the dangerous, especially in, in the Leeds incident with, with, with crashing. But, um, mm. but unfortunately that's, that, that, that is racing. And, you know, unless you neutralize it, um, it's going to be hard to, to ride without, without incidents. I think it comes down to the individuals as well, being respectful of one another too. Mm. I think we might need a little bit more of that. And, actually learning how to ride in in packs as in when to go for the gap and when to yield because no one wants to yield but you know if it's a if it's a question of don't yield and crash or yield and stay on your bike 
then yeah. that's a no-brainer too. And I think hopefully um, the athletes will work out, hopefully not the hard way, that sometimes that's, that's what you have to do. But also there's, there's, time, there's times and places to move up safely if you want to move up and that's what you need to do. Um, but it's knowing when to do it and how to do it safely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's what, that's the way triathlon's going. But, um, so there's areas on that Leeds course where you absolutely would never, you know, where you're just like, right guys, just sit where you are for the next few hundred meters. <laughs> Let's not shuffle the pack. And then others where, where it's obviously yeah, the, like, I the think spot. in Hamburg yeah. was, was, was even worse how technical yeah. that was. Um, there's just, there's some places where, you know what, you're going to have to hold your ground and you're going to have to sprint out of this corner. Um, and you just can't move up because everyone wants to move up, but there's, there's, there's no gaps sometimes. And there's places to move up, which is where you've got to then get yourself into position. For example, well, I, I was first around the last two corners. Unfortunately, um, I didn't realize I was going to run like a melon, but I gave myself every opportunity to run well and to be first into T2 via kind of moving up at, at, at the right points and hopefully not doing anything sketchy one one hopes but it's just knowing when to move up and get into position early and then stay in position mm. early um but yeah people can get quite desperate when they know they've got to move up and know they've got to move up but it's just having a cool head and making the right decisions yeah what kind of speeds are you hitting down through transition in the, on that new leads course uh i didn't race leads this no year. but it was um, kind of the same just in reverse as the one before right? it was again that was yeah it was quite, yeah, it was, it was quick. We were up, up was around 60 Ks an hour yeah. going down there. But what I didn't like was how tight in on the relay days the bikes are because you sometimes get big packs rolling through there and you're going through quick. And if someone touches a wheel, then everyone's going to, every bike's going to get, there's a lot of metal kicking around down there and carbon fiber. I don't really like how tight it was, but mm. hopefully we can sort that out for, for, for future races. And between now and Com Games, then you've got a couple of weeks to get ready. Yeah, uh, yeah. My last—I was having a look at my train. My last five weeks have been pretty, pretty rough. Going from Portugal to Leeds, then off to Montreal, then back to Leeds, then over to Hamburg. So to actually get some consistent training done would be would, would be quite nice, and hopefully just get take take my take my running, especially to the to the next level that it needs to be to compete with all these fantastic athletes at the moment but doing that safely as i keep saying is the most important thing because i'll be useless to everyone if i'm injured so uh you watch two months from now this podcast will be out and i'll be injured again but hopefully fingers crossed i won't be such words um but yeah for me that's it just stay consistent and look forward to com games no team orders to have to worry about this time around (laughs) well we'll see (laughs) we will see um who knows who knows maybe we've got the we got the red hot favorite in Alex Yee, but he's also got his his, his workout for him with, with the way Hayden's going and obviously the way Manny House is going as well at the moment. So if something needs to be done, then I'll be the one to do it. Uh, but with any luck, you know, Alex is a big boy, look after himself and he'll he'll get the job done. We'll see. We'll see. How does that sort of roll out then in, in terms of like between you as athletes and then the orders coming from above? You know, is there like a bit of awkwardness then if if it becomes you know if that is discussed and you have that role to play or do you have to be a bit philosophical about it and yeah you have to be a bit 
um, philosophical and the fact that if you do things for others, then one day the, the shoe will be on the other foot. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, if I was, if I was proved that I was good enough to be a medal contender, then I wouldn't be doing it. So you've only got yourself to blame because you're not good enough to be at the top of these races that you'll then be the athlete to be asked to, to help England win a medal at these races or Great Britain win one at the Olympics. Um, so yeah, it's something that I'll, I'll happily do as, as part of the team because I like being a team player and what goes around does come around. However, looking at my own development, I'm not intending on domesticing for a, for a career and you just got to stay consistent and believe in yourself that you're good enough to, to make it to the, to the front of these races mm. and be, and be battling for battling for medals. But there's no awkwardness. I've known Alex a long time and the, the, the facts are the facts that he's running at an unbelievable level at the front of these races. Uh, and I haven't proved that yet. So when I, when I do, then, uh, then hopefully I'll have, I'll have some people working for me, but that's just, that's just the way racing goes at the moment. Actually, two years ago, Lees, we were in the fight for the third spot for the Olympics. And there was only one athlete who got enough points in the first period who could then do it. And that was Tom Bishop. So we were actually domestic. Yeah, yeah, myself, yeah. Alistair, Bent were all domestic in. Uh, I think Grant was in the race as well somewhere. We're all domestic in um, Bish so that he could get top 15 or top 10 to get ourselves three spots at the Olympics. Johnny and Alex obviously were racing Olympics, so they could do what they wanted. And the plan was for Alistair and Johnny to go off the front in that small breakaway and ride really hard so that the chase pack could then chase them really hard and Bish could save his legs in the chase pack. Well, actually it is. Alan John went off the front. The chase pack chased really hard. Bish then got dropped from that pack. So I had to go back and ride him back to the front of the race. Which only, which only happened because the chase pack caught the front pack and everyone stopped riding. So that meant that we could then catch up with the front of the race. And we'd spent about one or two laps at the front of the race before I found myself just off the front. And that was also a plan that myself, Alistair or Bentz, I think Bentz had tapped out by this point, um, that myself or Alistair would go off the front to force the chasers to ride hard behind and basically just give Bish an easy ride so that he didn't have to do any riding. Um, but my legs were absolutely cooked by then because I'd just ridden to the front and then off the front. And yeah, I think the gap was, was, pretty, was pretty small anyway and insignificant. So I just basically got a bit of camera time and rode 360 watts for the hour and then ran 33 Warmed minutes. the crowd so. up for and, that. <laughs> yeah, basically just warmed the crowd up. Uh, anyway, someone had to do it and that day it was me. Well, like I said before, it's it was great watching then. It's been great watching since. Um, and yeah, you you guys are like what's coming through is is phenomenal and has made the twenty twenty two season something pretty special so far. And there's still plenty left to go. So um, yeah, we wish you all the best, of course, for the Commonwealth Games as well. Very best of luck out there. Thanks very much. Yeah, giving people something to cheer about um, really gets me up in the morning. So yeah, buzzing. Can't wait. All right. Nice one. Thanks ever so much, Sam. Thank you.